Okay, hey, hi, and hello. This is Mike Tribby, and this is Always Tribbin, the podcast coming to you from my living room with a live studio audience, uh, my dog, my wife, and our first ever interview here on the podcast, Miss Miko, Mrs., sorry, I always <laughs> say Miss when I'm introducing women, and I don't know if that's just a sexist thing with me. It is. I need to look in the mirror. <laughs> Um, but Mrs. Nicole, Francesca, Frankie, Salivar, Gum. That will work today. Thank you <laughs> for that introduction. Yeah, it's uh, quite quite a name. Frankie, I've known from work uh, for a few years now. Three. A few, a couple, three years. You've been there three years. Mm-hmm. Time yes. works differently um, <laughs> at our job in that warehouse. You lose time yourself. It's a beautiful place. But no, so Frankie is most known to me for single-handedly um, destroying my bachelor pad. I'll never forget the day, uh, November 1st, 2019. Signed the lease. Super excited to move into my studio. All the great times I was going to have and all the fun parties. Just And um, the same day, had a date with Frankie's friend. And Frankie's friend just never left. She's just, <laughs> she stuck around. And now my life's full of joy, but not, not like, you know, the fun, like stay up all night kind of joy, just like the more wholesome, fulfilling joy. And that's just a bummer, you know? You're welcome. Just, I was just hoping You're to just welcome. add a few years, um, or sorry, take a few years off my liver. <laughs> but now I'm eating rice cakes. Anyways, that's just... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, uh, as opposed to just, you know, setting people up in good relationships and, you know, destroying their years they were going to waste. I've done this to multiple people, so... Yeah. Don't feel lucky. Now I... I I did feel lucky. Now I'm just just another victim. Okay. So other than being one of the top, um, probably top in the nation matchmakers mm-hmm. maybe for sure i mean setting this couple up for sure balling um you're also very involved in charity um what you've been involved you'd say you've been volunteering for the last half my life half your life okay half yeah we're not going to give away numbers because that's the gentleman <laughs> thing to do 15 years that's a number oh so you got your math wrong because you were what like 23 so um wow i'm trying to yeah i feel feel better now yeah thank you (laughs) sexist in a good way yeah that's the kind of sexism we need gentlemen um but no so you you've been involved in charity and you said you actually got involved um reluctantly yes i did um so what what forced you as a young child to enter um basically slavery sorry (laughs) unpaid unpaid work very much so um well we actually did get paid because we were raising money but like a lot of kids i was in student council um not by choice i had to get involved in something because i could not i was no longer playing sports so a teacher got me involved in this and we were required to get volunteer hours and it was for nothing important it was for raising money for prom or homecoming events that i honestly did not enjoy (laughs) um the organization itself was clicky and i I didn't fit in 
but I volunteered. And I feel like it's the the people that are actually there. How do I say this? Well, what I like, didn't know is they were there because they were writing their yeah. their college essays yeah. and they were their resumes and their applications for college and that wasn't even on my mind. It's just they need to get that stamp. Yes. I've never I've never understood that. The whole checklist um that people have. I don't I don't get it. It wasn't important in my household. So my you, parents you didn't even think we were going to you college. You were there for the status, you were there for the street cred. To say, yeah, I'm, yeah, student council, we running this. Honestly, I had to find something to get me out of my house. And oh, okay. if I wasn't on a sports team no longer, then I needed something to spend my time doing than going home. And you didn't decide to turn to the streets and drugs? I did not. Well. I am a brown noser, and I like following rules, and I like structure, and I don't like being in trouble. And that was not an option for me. Well, that's that's the good thing about the streets is there's actually there's actually a lot of structure. There's you know if you're an OG, um, <laughs> running stuff, no. Or if you're just you know a, a duffel bag boy. I like I listen to a lot of Little Wayne, so I know I know how it goes. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's good because I know growing up in Peoria, we didn't really have like volunteerism as an maybe it was an option but it wasn't an option we knew about um we were in the streets doing no good um so it's good to know that there were people out there that weren't just you know us um that's good that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so what would what would you said you would do it for prom that sort of stuff we yes we'd raise we'd have fundraisers car washes um boosters and just that's pretty much what it was. We'd have small committees. Um, I was in a, I was the lone wolf in a committee where I went to every classroom to put signs in to turn lights off to conserve energy. So you were that was your fight. Yeah, turn the lights off. Uh, global warming, um, saving polar bears. I wish I was aware of those at that time. One light switch at a time. But it was like we can just we can just say. It was. There's no fact checkers on this podcast. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it was. I was trying yeah. to save the world. Pretty much. Yeah. So when when did you actually like to start volunteering? What what actually got you to want to do it outside of student council? So student council, that was till 2008 when we graduated. And then I started volunteering with an organization in the town that my company was located in at the time. And... Pretty much we just promoted relationships between fire department and citizens. And I just kind of wanted to learn the structure of the fire department, work-related stuff, and I still didn't love it. And it wasn't until, and that was 2011, so it wasn't until Hurricane Harvey hit, and mm. that was 2017, where I had a friend who came up into our office, and he was collecting donations. Um, they had a contact in Rockport. And... He worked for the fire department and or the police department. It was one or the other. And they couldn't feed anyone. At, when Hurricane Harvey hit, I mean, the whole coast was completely destroyed. Yeah. And um, the Texas Task Force Wait. was deployed. Multiple fire companies from North Texas were deployed. Um, companies from Mexico were deployed. Um, Louisiana. I mean, everyone was trying to come and aid these people. Yeah. And they got them all there. And there was no electricity. 
There was no clean water. There was no way to cook food. And so my buddy, he was, he has a food trailer and he, he said, I'm going down here. I'm collecting donations for meat. We're going to feed them until we run out of food. I'm like, okay. So did the whole social media thing, raised some funds for him. And I, I couldn't understand why more people weren't doing more. And so I, I asked him, I said, Hey, can I come with you? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, come with us. We're leaving tomorrow. And tomorrow would have been like a Thursday. And I called in sick. I was like, I'm sick. Can't come in. See y'all oh, on Monday. You know, I think I remember that day. No, I don't remember that. No. Nothing happened that day. No. <laughs> um, so we did. We, we, he took an RV down there, a generator. His son drove a truck down there. We had two um, like 50-gallon barrels of gasoline and then two 50-gallon barrels of water, clean water. And then the food. We drove down there all day. We made it in time to serve dinner. But it, it was that that happened. I, th- that was a turning point in volunteering because I wasn't asking people for donations mm-hmm. for something that didn't matter. I wasn't asking people to um. sponsor us for something that didn't matter. I was actually serving the community. And that that was a pivotal moment because I can ask for money all day long. I can ask people, I can cut checks myself and say, "Oh, I'm doing something. Yeah. Here's a check to to the Tarrant County Food Bank." But there's nothing like actually going out there and seeing people who need help and being helpful. So that was the turning point in volunteering. For me and that's why i continue to try and do it that is uh that's a, i guess if you were to have a reason that would be a decent reason um you know seeing people in pain and doing something about it I, that's a good enough reason i guess well it, it was actually it how do you ask a nation for help and don't have help for the people you're asking to come there was i mean there was probably 200 families in one fire department that the one that was still standing Mm-hmm. They had put put families that were put out, plus all these firemen they asked to come and assist were all in the same place. Just one building. Just one just building with no people. water, no electricity, Ooh. sandwiches for days. They were just happy to have a hot meal. Oh, yeah. And then you have the everyone else. We were just serving first responders. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine everyone who had been there living there and no one had helped them any? And that that was heartbreaking, too. Because we couldn't feed everyone, you know? Yeah, and it's... So... How do you tell somebody no, like, to food? To, like, the one thing that we all need. And you, can, just you say, can't. No, we can't. I can't do it. And I... The, what I saw happen was people literally giving the shirts off their back to people with nothing. Because the mosquitoes after a hurricane, I don't know. I mean, they're 20. You don't have to tell me about mosquitoes. Yeah, it's the, they were huge. They were biting. People needed shirts. They needed, I mean, and firemen giving the shirt off their back to help someone who didn't have clean clothes. Like that was when I learned this. There's an actual serving aspect and being useful and being helpful to volunteerism. It's not just asking for money or writing a check. And I think, well... I don't, I don't, I can't speak on everybody, um, but I feel like my problem with most charities is there's a lack of action. Like there's no like clear path of what you're actually helping or what you're actually fixing. So to have that experience where you you go into basically hell after a hurricane and see the suffering and see 
that you can actually do something. I don't think a lot of people have that experience to rely on. A lot of people are trying to help themselves, so they don't think to help others. Absolutely. And there is a certain type of politics that happens with organizations or charitable organizations, volunteer organizations, programs, and there it's it's like every other institution that hmm. has an organizational structure that you could it's it's all the same and it going to rockport i was a part of no organizations that's when the experience for me was better yeah because yes that was actually just just a guy who took it upon himself and said hey there's there's hungry there's people let's feed them yeah i i can help this issue that's it I haven't had the best experience with volunteerism. Um, most of my volunteerism has been court-ordered. <laughs> I don't think that takes away from the significance of it, but um, there was there was a cap on what I was willing to do and how many hours I was willing to put in because that that's all the court required. Well, how um, do they think it's going to be a useful for you if they're using volunteerism as punishment for something you did well i think um maybe a a better man would look at it as an opportunity to to see issues in his own community and realize that he could spend his time helping as opposed to uh being a young juvenile the issue in the community Um, (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of them um (laughs) But for me, when I had to volunteer against my will, mainly, at first it was mainly like working in public offices, which that that, that was just punishment. Mm-hmm. That was just, hey, come vacuum, come clean. Mm-hmm. That was punishment. That that sucked. But then there, there was one time where I actually helped out at the food bank, which I think I'm a big supporter of because growing up, that's that's where we got most of our meals. They used to have these. I don't know. This is just random. Um, I've never seen them anywhere else, but in our box from the food bank, it was this little um, packet from McDonald's, and it was like apples and I think peanut butter. Like I've never seen it at a McDonald's restaurant, and I, <laughs> I look just because I'm curious. I don't know if it was like special for poor people, but it that was like a nice treat whenever we saw that in the box. It was probably from the Ronald McDonald Foundation. Like, Either way. Packaged for hungry people. We liked it. It was good. <laughs> that, was, that was our little surprise. Right. Um, the powdered eggs I could do without. That's just. Does not sound appetizing. That just hurts my heart bringing it up. But um, no, I'm a big, so I'm a big supporter of, of that organizations that actually make an impact. Um, clearly, I mean. You know, some organizations, I believe, like the Red Cross and like FEMA, they have to be dispatched. They do not just show up when people need help. Hmm. It has, to, it has to fit some standards or it has to go down a checklist. Do they need this? Is it, does this, this, this? And if you don't meet all those requirements in whatever city or disaster you just went through, they don't show. So like 50 dead babies chilling, no action, but 51 dead babies if that paper says fifty one, they should they should show up at fifty one. I don't know the regulations, but I'm sure I'm sure dead babies should be should be a qualification. Should there should be something something. Enough about dead babies. 
<laughs> yeah. But so that's my, that was probably my best experience volunteering at all, was working with the food bank. Mm-hmm. And then the, I want to say the last, possibly the last time I was in trouble and had to volunteer, um, I did for this church. It was a little tiny church um, in a strip mall near Church's Chicken. <laughs> I don't know if that's why they picked the location. The Church's Chicken was there first. It's still there, I think. But this church had a rinky-dink, you know, little section for mass. Just a bunch of chairs lined up. Um, and every weekend for like eight hours, I want to say. It was the longest car wash I've ever been a part of. But we'd have a car wash. Every weekend, Saturday, Sunday, just like the whole morning, you're out there washing cars. They'll bring you in for some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. After we just spent all this time raising money, the same people that were out there washing cars, they bring us in and they say, we need more money. What were what? they raising money for? Well, you that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question because they pass around that donation basket. For sure. And I would just, I'd be like, dude, what did I just do? Like, I just paid you in labor plus... I didn't have, I didn't have money, so <laughs> couldn't help anyways. And I just the thing that got me was that I would just see all this money coming in because that that car wash was busy, and that donation basket would get heavy. And no improvements ever came to the church, but every week they had a new set of rims. Wow. I mean, they even had spinners. They weren't shy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a whole little family running the church, and every one of them. Were just was just balling out, asking for money every Sunday. So that kind of, I've had a sour taste in my mouth mm-hmm. when it comes to a lot of charity. Even, it's funny that you the student council and prom and all that because we another random thing in high school we we would always do fundraisers for the football team, mm-hmm. selling cards, car washes, always car wash, never <laughs> a bake sale, but we would do all these things and from. The time I got into high school to the time I left, like the football team never got new jerseys, which was weird. Right. Because like every other school, like every two years, every some schools every year, they would get new jerseys. And we were always waiting. And our coaches would preach to us, it's tradition, it's tradition. And then a year after we graduated, our coach got arrested for... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> for skimming some profit off the yeah. team. So um, I don't think it was tradition. Of course it wasn't. And I feel... I, I feel like my school owes me a jersey. So I just, you know, just I'd put it out there. I'd fight for that. I will, if I, if I see, like if I'm ever in Arizona again and I see like a young football player oh, walking no. down the street with my <laughs> old jersey on, he's, I'm, he's going to get jumped. Like not really jumped because it's just going to be me, but like, you know, he's <laughs> a small kid. So I'm going to steal the jersey. I don't support Maybe. that. And this this is just <laughs> this is hypothetical. This isn't right. this isn't um this isn't a confession to anything that may happen. Um but net, moving on, moving on before I um Well, let's talk about this myself. church thing. It yeah. churches in general. Oh, church yeah, churches in general are um I've had horrible experiences with them as well as far as volunteering mm-hmm. and only they they are given a tax exemption. From what I assume is a promise to give back to their community. They don't pay. I know there's a separation of church and state. And that's fine. And I think it's hard for people to go after churches in general. Because it's a religion. But 
they should be giving back more to their communities and every penny should be accounted for. And some churches will say they have complete transparency, but you know, that's not the case when you see your community suffering, but you don't see your churches suffering, you know, they're not putting back into it and every, they should be as responsible as anybody else. If they're going to have a church in that community, what's the, what's the point of a church? Who is the church? The church is the people. Without the people, there's no church. So if you're not going to take care of those people, I think Joel. I think he may might have a different answer. Oh, you remember him during the hurricane who closed his doors? Well, listen, he locked them. He had really nice flooring. Oh yeah. I mean, it was it was Uh exquisite. You know how many people had to donate to get that flooring, (laughs) and he wasn't going to just let it get ruined. Okay, Uh, he's a man for the people. And he wants their investments to be protected, even if it's from the people. Well, <laughs> my issue with churches um, in religion is is the lack of questions. Right, you don't get to ask questions against faith, against religion, and I think we should because there's Scientology and there's Mormonism, and there's a lot of a lot of red flags on that. I mean, I have special underwear too, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about some magic tablets, and I don't know what Tom Cruise is out there preaching, but that man just doesn't want to pay taxes. I'm they sure are just stealing from their from their own people. That's all that is. That well, obviously, my only opinion is from the documentaries, from the articles, whatever. <laughs> but they are stealing from their own. I guess it's a congregation. They, they had their good own. resources on that documentary, so it, it's solid. I I can't get on board with that. And they say they give back, and there's proof. I've seen them. I have seen the Scientologist groups, even at Hurricane Harvey. They showed up. They actually... They show up, and they bring boxes, and it's a photo op. But, I mean, during that, you notice when people were working. But they do show up. But it's not worldwide, or... (laughs) I don't know. I think the whole thing's a scam. And I don't, I think they should, I think all churches should pay taxes. Well, as so, somebody who's, I, I think you bring up a good point there. As somebody that's been involved, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people that do that, that are there for the photo ops. I understand why, why people can get upset that somebody's trying to capitalize off of a moment. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're there and actually doing something, reg- I mean, shit, you, you may not have the best intentions. You showed up. But if you're helping, yep. then, you know, help. Right. Shouldn't reject that. So in an age of technology and social media, the more people who make it look cool to be helpful, that's better for every cause. I don't, it, it might be kind of, um, there's, there's some moral question to there, it. Like, there are is. You are you doing it? it for the right reasons? But, but the result maybe outweigh the reasons. The more hands, the better. And obviously it's depending on what we're, what you're volunteering for. If you're volunteering to do registration at an (laughs) event, sign people in, check people in for that's, that's God's work right there. Hey, I am not knocking any type of volunteerism. I am not, but there is a difference from being, from writing a check. There's a difference from, uh, asking for money. There is a huge difference. And what, what are you trying to accomplish? Because you don't have to be a part of any organization or anything to be helpful in your community. I know people on my street 
who during our last freeze, during COVID, we asked each other, do you need help? That took no organization oversight, no government to say you should be helping your neighbors. That's what people are supposed to do. If you see someone who needs help, you help. You don't, you're not the, the bystander just watching it happen. That's, that's the only difference between people who choose to do nothing and who take a little action. Help. It takes a village, really, to, especially in a disaster like that damn freeze. That was the freeze. ridiculous. During COVID, COVID and the freeze are a huge reason why we farm in our backyard. Mm. Because food was flying. People were taking food and buying food they did not need. For an amount of time, they wouldn't even be able to eat it. There was no food for people to go to the store and buy. That's a problem. We are a society who take more than we need, especially in times where everyone needs it. Yeah, I didn't understand the the need for toilet paper. Like, I don't, I don't. What were people thinking? I don't know, but now I think Americans need bidets because that 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 was nuts. How much do you need to wipe your butt? And do you think you're going to be on the crapper more than usual because of a pandemic? Hey, you what know, is happening? Six no. months at home. That's uh... <laughs> it. It made no sense, and a lot of the stuff that wasn't flying bar soap didn't fly off the shelf. Well, but hand soap real. did. Um, yeah, people aren't really trying to. Disinfectant change. spray didn't <laughs> fly off the shelf, but the wipes did. Like use use your brain. They were taking things they didn't even need too. But if you didn't clean before, you can't convince me you're cleaning now. No, but if you have hand soap, then you just wash your hands. You're good. You're good for what twelve hours? That's hand a bar like a bar right? of soap will wash your hands the exact same. <laughs> But you, you got to like lather. You got to actually put some work into it. See, you just, you do a little squirt, you do a little rub, and yeah. you're good to go. Lazy people hate washing their hands. Like, well, yeah, I mean, how many... Like, it I, has to foam for you to think your hands are clean. That's where you know it's working. It's the bubbles. Everybody knows the bubbles kill the germs. Bubble baths, the cleanest kind of bath. It's just, it it's science. It leaves you oily. But clean. <laughs> That that oil is just your cleanness. That's just that's your, yep. that's how you're naturally supposed to be. That's how the babies come out of the womb. Wow. Oily. Okay. Oily. <laughs> same stuff. It's it's all the same stuff. Lavender, eucalyptus. Well, that's stuff I also want to grow because then we can make our own soap. See, I've always I've always been fascinated in being self reliant. I'm more of like a survival off the streets, not off the farm kind of. Right self-sufficient right like i can make a shank out of like a banana pill <laughs> but i couldn't plant a banana plant all right or tell you what bananas plants look like really? i'm assuming a tree with bananas correct not a pine tree though i know that much correct how are you In gonna make of, a shank out of a banana peel if you don't have the tree with the banana a, i can't give away my secrets <laughs> just know that i always have a banana peel nearby <laughs> and i'm ready all right in case in case I got to shank somebody. Survival. I've had uh, roommates in the past that sort of, kind of had a little farm. Sort of, kind of. Um, <laughs> had phases phases of a farm. <laughs> All right. Um, so I've, I've been around chickens. But what got you started to this path where you have this farm? Did you just decide one day? I mean, it wasn't when COVID started or when the free started, was it? No. So I have chickens and I have ducks. I've always loved chickens since I was little. We get chickens for Easter. From real chickens. Real chickens from the, no. well, real chicks. 
Okay. From our church. Um, say, and chicks and chicken. I don't know if anybody's. Mm. If you haven't been around a chick and a chicken, there's a drastic difference. Like a chick is There's a cute. whole stage difference. Yeah. And there's then one. the chicken is just a monster. It's a beast. That's not it's, true. It's a former dinosaur. That's an unloved. Even no. still. Like. I'm not, like, maybe, even if it's a lovely chicken, if you're, like, coming up to a chicken for a first time, it's intimidating. They're, they're, they're claws. They are many dinosaurs. Yeah. That is one of the things that draws me to them. I love it. And, but, so we'd get them when we were little, and my dad would always take them to the farm when they were big enough to look like chickens. Um, that I thought did, you were going to say eat. Well, that did okay. not. The farm was not a real place. Oh, we did. We did okay. not actually have a farm, um, and I found that out later in life when mm. I found out we had no money. Um, <laughs> but he would drop them off on the side of the road, or there, there were plenty of farms around us, and he would just leave them. So it was never. He would take the chicken to the farm, and then you guys would celebrate with fried chicken that night. It was small chicken wings because <laughs> they never got big enough to i mean he wasn't dealing with it they poop everywhere he was afraid we'd come in with dirty hands and we'd have all types i don't i honestly couldn't even tell you why we weren't allowed to keep the chickens but every year we'd get them and every year he would take hmm. them i i won't even pretend i know they all the whole family they were just ready to get rid of us i don't know <laughs> they they took us in to just mm. It's just a power move. Like Correct. It, we can give you chicks, and we can take the chicks away. And they did. They and they threatened our life the same. The same. We gave you life. We can take <laughs> your life. And you are the chick. Correct. Ooh. And I had enough traumatic experiences to where when we got our first home, that's all I asked for. Just chickens. Just chickens. And he got me a chicken coop, and that was it. He was like, "That's it. Uh, no chickens are going in this coop. We can't have them in this city. Here's the coop." Thanks. Looks great. Um, and then when we we were renting that home. So when we bought our first home, the first thing I did was look up the ordinance and say, how many chickens am I allowed to have? So with, with just the coop. With just the, it just sat you, there and looked you, pretty. Would you just go out there and pretend you had chickens sometimes? Maybe It was like an empty noise. womb. That It's like an empty womb. Okay? You're just sitting in the nursery waiting for the... Correct. It was, that was traumatic too. Oh. But our first home had a, a barn and a big chicken coop on it when hmm. we bought it. Um, there was... our The previous owner had a situation where a raccoon got into the coop and murdered all her chickens. So we, from the beginning, we, we tore that whole thing down and started new. Nature but, can just be so brutal. Correct. Raccoons and owls against chickens and no, dogs against chickens. No chance. Just no. flashbacks. Oh, correct. The owl attack of 2019. <laughs> I mean, just brutal. I'm like, I was a little drunk that night when I went to go check on the chickens. Mm -hmm. So like being drunk, being like pitch black, eerie out in the middle of nowhere, just walking out to blood and feathers and then seeing that little foot dangle from the roof. I'll never be the same. It's traumatic. Yeah. It, I really wanted a chicken wing after that, but... That's horrible. I do not eat my chickens. Yeah, that is... I think that's the toughest part about having animals is... Eat, for me, is eating that animal. When I was around all the chickens, it was hard to eat chicken. Like, I would pick up, you know, a piece of fried chicken and I would just think, like, this is just, like, a, a piece of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what this is. And I, even, like, now, I don't think I could ever be a vegetarian. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's a question I ask myself a lot. And then I eat a steak, and then the question goes away. But then I see a cow, and I'm like, ah, damn. And cows are cute. Yeah, yeah, cows. I don't think cows get enough credit. They don't. But I, I don't drink cow milk. I think that's a weird thing. Do you drink milk at all? Uh, Do we actually... Is our milk from a cow? Yes, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> this... Are you serious? I was like, when he started going there, I was like, mm, <laughs> Is it goat milk? Is it almond milk? You drink I cow milk? That... literally a picture of a cow on the carton. I thought that was just for like, that's from a cow? Baby. Just this whole time, I thought that I was drinking. Oh, no. I told you that you were. I used to drink almond milk before her. Um, almond milk is good. And then she, she was like, she took over. And now we don't get almond milk. And this whole time, this whole time, I thought, see, I know there's a cow on it, but like I thought, like maybe the cow's even milking. Real, it says real milk. But like I thought, I thought, listen, damn, that's an eye opener. You think you know yourself? You think you know yourself? But anyways, I so (laughs) (laughs) apparently I drink cow milk. Um, bummer. I thought I had that going for me. You know, I thought yeah. that was a thing that I had. It's not. There's not a lot of things you're not going to find animal products in. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of disappointing. Like, because mm-hmm. I don't know who the first guy was that was like, let's try it. They but were hungry. Yeah, but, you know, that's that's a desperation that I, I just hope I don't reach in my life. My wife has been feeding me cow juice. <laughs> and I didn't know it. Why Why it? is cow's milk offensive to you? It's not offensive. I just think it's... I think it's strange. Do you like milk? I used to drink a lot of milk as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of milk. Like I would come in middle of the summer and drink a glass. Now I, I can't even like stomach it. But no, I, I can't like drink a glass of like straight, straight regular milk. Mm-hmm. I can drink the lactate free stuff. Am I saying it right? Fact checker. Yeah. Guy in the chair. Guy. It's, it's just a phrase. It's just a phrase. <laughs> I've seen too many documentaries about slaughterhouses and all that, mm-hmm. and it's not—it's not been enough to stop me, <laughs> but it's—it's it's planted some seeds. For sure. Where I'm just like, you know, maybe one day I'll stop. But I've tried, like we—we we try to incorporate a vegan meal, like just once a week. Um, doesn't work. So, is there ever an expand? Is there going to be an expansion on the farm, or is yes. it just? chickens no it's no gonna be... so i don't know a lot i have to research everything i usually start the research after i start something that's usually how i feel about everything yeah i the first year we were at our home that's when we started planting our garden it did not go well i i had to stop we a lot of the food went to waste because i didn't know when to pick it i didn't know when to plant it i planted everything late in the season i just thought if you put it in the ground it'll grow and when it's grown <laughs> enough i'll have food that's that, really how i thought that, plants were too and it's... it didn't go well the first time and i wanted to start canning i got everything to can and then didn't have anything to can never learned how to can and then COVID hit back to the grocery yep. store situation where there was no food and then the freeze hit another situation people went and bought food that they didn't need and I want to be able to say, hey, we have some food and feed a little to a few people who need it. But our my dream for a, we don't plan to be where we're at. We plan to own a bunch of 
land somewhere and I want ranch animals. I want farming. I want enough food to sustain us through a whole year. Um, I don't want to ask anyone for help. I don't, I watched a masterclass yeah. um, of Ron Finley. And if you do not know who that is, I do not. You have to look him up on YouTube, look him up on the internet. He is the gangster gardener. Oh, okay. He, he, gangster gardener. That, that's what that's he goes a, that's by. His... That's a thing. Oh, gee. Okay. And he's from LA and Naturally. he started um, planting food on the side of the, the street. And the city came and shut him down and said, you cannot grow food here. And he's like, how can I not grow food for my community when all they have at their fingertips is bad food? Mm-hmm. You've put everything oh. on every corner and there's no good produce, fresh food for the people here. And That's he, so crazy. They, they gave him, they fined him over and over. He went to court and he ended up winning. And now he's able to grow food in on the side of the street he has created small ecosystems within the urban areas of LA and he can feed communities. And I watched his whole masterclass in one sitting <laughs> and he, he talks about plants like he talks about people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you plant something and it's dying, it's telling you it's dying. If it's turning yeah. brown, there's a problem. What's the problem? Add water. Add what? You'll know when something's that's thirsty. It. That's that's my response to plants. Well, not always. That's it. That's I, all I know. <laughs> I, learned, I did something horrible with my aloe vera. I overwatered. I didn't know that was a thing. It's a desert plant. It doesn't need water. So it should just grow better it if grows, you give it more water. It doesn't. It actually Science. was drowning the root system. So when I pulled the roots out, roots. the roots were healthy, but the aloe vera leaves were rotten. But in his master class, he's like... A rotten piece on your plant will take up just as much energy as a healthy part. So every all the energy that's feeding the plant was going to to the dead parts. So he talked to, and he related it to life. Like you, you do that to yourself. You have to you trim gotta... out the dead, or all your energy is not going to go towards the light, the living and the vibrant parts of you. Mm-hmm. So after that, all my all my plants are doing great. All it took was for me to relate to a plant. To learn how to take care of them. And it's... Some is a shock. I didn't know beans were vines. Didn't... Oh. Beans are vines. Beans are vine. They vine and they have to go up. And I didn't know that. So I'm, I I planted everything. And now I'm doing the research on how to take care of each plant. So I'm not some magical farmer or I was great at it. born with I have thumb. to learn about this every day. Because... See, but I want to know how. It's. I really. I'm really glad that you say that there's there's a path for people to learn because I've gotten my wife so many plants. <laughs> she tells me all the time she loves plants. She wants plants. I get plants, and then a month later, I'm throwing away plants. Um, and it's just, I, I'm glad to know there's hope. There That's, is hope. There's a bright spot. And there is also something hopeful in a dead plant. And that's what he's also taught me as well. You can put that plant back into the ground. And it might not grow the plant, but it'll help with the soil. And, I mean, hmm. it. you're putting, like, whatever comes out of the ground, you can put back in it. And it'll turn into soil, and it might create some healthy soil or not, but it'll degrade. But it went, didn't go to waste. <laughs> Everything has a use, people. Everything has Everything. a use. Even, even that deadbeat uncle of yours. 
Mm. He came out of the ground. You put him back in the ground. <laughs> and you watch what grows. Right? Right. That's what I took from it. Absolutely. So there is hope. There's hope that we can change. We can grow. Literally. And also in the garden. For sure. Which is dope. What was the... You said Rob... Ron Finley. Ron Finley. The gangster gardener. Ron F- See, the gangster gardener, I remembered... You can just Google wanted, that and he's going to pop up. I, I feel like I wanted to give the OG some respect and at least try to say his name right. And I'm not going to lie. I already forgot it. Rob? Ron. Ron. <laughs> Finley. Ron Finley. Ron Finley. The gangster gardener. Ron Finley. <laughs> Check him out. Uh, YouTube. Google. Craigslist. Masterclass. All the, all the regular <laughs> places you look for gardeners. Um, but no. Anyways... If I would stop being interrupted by my wife, typical thing. Yeah, see what I'm saying? You literally just interrupted me as I was saying you were interrupting me. Delete this. No, I'm not. I'm gonna use this fuel and listen to it every morning when I wake up. Motivate me to be uninterrupted. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Huge shout out uh, to Frankie sitting through this first. Hopefully first of many interviews because I'm sure people, as much as you love hearing this sexy voice, um, you probably want to hear somebody else. Hear some other opinions. Maybe hear from people that know things because I don't know nothing. (laughs) But I'm here to share that nothing. Um, So thank you, Frankie. Is there anything anything you want to shout out to the people? Let us know. Drop some knowledge. Mic drop as you walk out, because literally it's time. It's time to go. Going to bed. Just try to be as helpful as you can throughout your life. I guess that's that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good advice. Yeah. If you take anything away from this, take that. Nothing I said. <laughs> Forget everything I've said, and just go help people, because that's what you should do. I got two head nods. <laughs> We'll call it good. All right. (laughs) Peace.